Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, coming to you from Cat Swamp Road over in Warren County, New Jersey. And today we had a little bit, I guess, so autumn has arrived as far as the temperatures are concerned. It got down here on the farm to 34 degrees. I know in other parts of Warren County it got a little bit colder, and uh, we're up high, so this time of year we stay a little bit warmer, but no big deal. Hey, it is October, so that is supposed to happen, right? And then it's supposed to uh, warm up again later in the week. It was only that in the morning. It's about 60 degrees right now, so it's quite nice, and my cover crop is doing quite well, thank God, which is just, as I told you before, straight triticale so not too much uh, that's pretty hardy and doesn't care to, as long as it has some moisture which thank god we have been getting so i hope everything is going well for you in your operation and if you are in harvest that not only are you blessed with a bountiful crop by god's grace and uh, a, a machinery that is working properly and efficiently and reliably but most importantly that you are safe because it's so easy to get hurt on the farm and uh, specifically when you're working long hours and working with a lot of equipment and if for some reason it was not god's will to bless you with a bountiful harvest then that is obviously quite disappointing especially uh you know we lost 95 percent of our crop this year so that's uh, I know that pain, and it wasn't the first time we had a loss, but this is a catastrophic loss. And I know it's very disappointing and heartbreaking, but you just have to look at it and say that, uh, thank God you're alive, thank God you're healthy, and we live to farm another year. And uh, so it's always next year country, right? And God willing, next year will be much better for you. So that is my sincere prayer for those that are not seeing a bountiful harvest or even a good harvest in any way, shape, or form. And uh, you do everything right, and lots of, sometimes it turns out wrong. And that's just the uh, story of life, right? You do nothing wrong, and then a, or the person does nothing wrong, and a drunk driver comes down the road and kills them. So it's uh, just the story of life. A hailstorm comes and doesn't hit you. We had one field a few years back, the hail take it completely out and the other field that didn't touch so that's we've all been there and unless you farm and have uh the eyes to see that you do not uh you cannot appreciate that or see the struggles that someone else is going through so let me bring you quickly up to date got a lot of things over here to uh just to uh, you know friend to friend man to man we're like family so i share everything i share everything with you and uh as you uh i may have said on the show a couple of weeks ago that the yes when i went to go get my seed that i've had a problem with the clutch switch on my ranger and it, uh, and it's a clutch safety switch which years ago we didn't have that to paint in the neck and i don't understand what is six wires going to it but i won't rehash all of that when it really only needs two wires so why is there six but i guess they're running the signal someplace here and to east jibib and back but what had happened was to, in case you didn't catch it, Joe, is that by God's grace, the truck started and I was able to get my cover crop seed and obviously put that down. But the, the truck was dead after that. So I ordered, I buy factory parts when if at all possible. And there's, so when it comes to my farm, any type of equipment, my chains, any, anything, I, I, my first choice is factory OE parts. And then if something is not available because I keep my stuff forever, then you have to go to an aftermarket brand. So I called up the Ford dealer and they um, ordered me a switch. It was 60 something dollars. And I had, I couldn't figure out why why the switch was keep flopping. When I say flopping down, it was on the push rod that goes from the clutch pedal to the master cylinder because it's a hydraulic clutch. <laughs> well, that story uh, continues there so it's a hydraulic clutch and then what happens is that i i got the i ordered the part got it from ford came in a box a long box so i said oh open it up and i say okay there's the push rod with the switch on it 
and I had taken the old switch off and the spring broke inside. So there's two springs and the spring is what holds it into position on the push rod. So there's a, a, a lip there and it holds the switch onto the push rod. So when you push into the clutch, the switch is now captured and the in, inside part of the switch where the two springs are rides up and then makes contact so the engine could crank and then when you when you release the clutch it goes away from the contact points so we said oh that's why it was sliding down and that's why if i would push it up the truck would start so that all made sense and i figured out how to get so I, i'm looking at it they said to myself okay fine i may have said part of this last week so forgive me and I look at it and said, well, okay, I didn't like the push rod because it had a little groove machined into it. And to me, if there's a little groove machined into the tip, that it's going to some sort of notch or a snap ring or some, some kind of retention device. So I'm trying to figure out how to get the push rod out and so I could put the switch on with the, the new switch with the new push rod because I figure if Ford sent it to me that way, then that's the way they want it replaced and like i say looked like i told you last time i looked at a couple of videos nothing matched what i had it's supposed to be whatever so anyway so i I go through that look and i i I said to myself let me see if this push rod pulls out so i gently and i mean i'm i've worked on machinery my entire life i'm not a bull i'm gonna work in a butcher shop all right so the thing is that I figured, well, let me try pulling on it a little bit. And what I did is that I connected it back up to the clutch and I would pull the clutch pedal up a little bit because where it is underneath the dashboard, the switch is not, I mean, the the push rod's not even the thickness, about half of a pencil. So you really can't get a good grip on it. And where it is, you can't put anything on it to pull it up. So I'm pulling, and you can feel it's mechanically locked. So I said, the heck with it. What I'll do is I'll take the switch off, the, the new switch off the new push rod, I'll put this, figured out how to take the switch off, which was quite easy once you understood it, like anything in life. Once you understand that it's easy, when you don't understand it or, or have any knowledge of it or seen it, it, it becomes complicated. So I put the new switch on the old push rod, put it on there, boom, the truck starts, runs fine, starts fine. So I said, let me take it for a ride. And my driveway coming out of my house onto the road is up a slight. I mean, it's an incline. You know it's an incline in the wintertime because that's a spot I always get stuck in the ice. If it's icy, you get up the drive, you get almost to the crown of the road, and you can never get past there. So anyway, I stop at the end of the driveway to turn onto Cat Swamp Road, and I stall a truck. I said, what the heck? I mean, all I did is put a switch on it. I mean, it's just, I didn't touch the master cylinder, but the clutch seemed to really, to be really bitey, to bite right off the floor. So I said, all right, well, so this clutch, as soon as I got in the truck, I said, this clutch doesn't feel right. So I said, all right, let me drive and see what happens. So I go down Cat Swamp Pro, turn around, come back, shift it a couple of times. It's shifting fine. And probably about after a half a mile or so, the clutch kind of, on. and anybody who works in mechanical stuff will notice, it heals itself. How it heals itself is between that item and God, but we all know if we have been around mechanical stuff quite some time, that sometimes it heals itself, and you could try to invent a science that's, oh, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, but who knows, it heals itself. So I drove it to town and back and put about five or six miles on uh, so a lot of shifts and it felt it fell fine. After the first, the clutch did feel it was very bitey, and the clutch just it just didn't feel right. But then after a couple of miles, it fell fine. So I said to myself, well, I put a switch on it. I didn't touch anything with the hydraulics. I did pull up a little bit on the push rod, but I, I mean, I didn't, I, was, I didn't do any, anything terrible there. Probably if your foot got your pant leg got caught, then it would have put, pulled up the same way. So all right so i parked it and i parked it and i didn't need it now the thing basically is that like everything in my life it's a long story so this is also connected with my generator because if you listen to my radio show also about a month or so ago i had james condon on my radio show and he does a lot of generator repair he's probably one of the most knowledgeable people as far as portable generator repair and if you go into my archives for farm machinery digest radio you could listen to that show so he doesn't live he lives about 120 miles away from me so what happened was that i had spoken to him i'd connected with him before we went on the show and i and i diagnosed my briggs and this is my generator now for the house because it's tied in with the truck all right so my life is 
like everybody's life it's complicated it's stair-stepped and it's uh, it basically nests one thing in the other so about a month or so ago before we started more than a month ago, before we started harvest whatever little harvest we had i spoke to him and i diagnosed the generator my briggs and stratton portable generator runs the house when the power goes out as having a open in the state or windings now there was a lot going on at that particular time and i wasn't prepared to diagnose a generator i wasn't other than taking the end cap off i was not prepared to pull a stator and the rotor out uh from what i glean you need a puller i'm not gonna say it's a special puller but it's a puller that needs to fit that rotor and you need to be so it was it wasn't it wasn't like taking a delcatron apart delcatron alternator so it was a little bit it wasn't difficult but you needed some special tools i was hopefully going into harvest too much going on so i i spoke to him and i said to, i said to, the, to james would you like to you know look at it i'll pay you to look at it whatever because i would like to, i would like somebody who's more familiar with it than i am to look at it and make sure that i'm not missing something because i very well could have missed something because i would was not planning on diagnosing the generator that particular day i was planning on exercising it and then i had low voltage and then no voltage he said oh i'd love to do it i'll do a video and he has a youtube channel he does a lot of videos on generator repair he said so so make a long story short i said okay fine and then if i can't if it's too much to fix what i found with these generators these portable generators is and it goes against my grain but so many things in life that i go against my grain and i'm not saying that i you learn to i'll use the term accept them all right it doesn't mean that you like them or you want them but just like a flat tire you accept it and that's basically it. it's not your goal to have a flat tire but that you learn you accept it in life so i've come to see with these generators i'm the type of person who likes to take care of things and i took honestly took care of this generator was very grateful to the lord for providing it and very proud of it and took care of this generator better than i take care of my health to be quite honest and my wife even confirmed that because my health i don't take care of my health i'm not truly like most people who work on a farm or mechanical stuff is that we look to get the task done first and worry about our health secondary and but then something else comes up so your health as long as you're still breathing and able to move then you consider your health fine and when this thing stopped charging i was quite disappointed in it so anyway so i said to him okay fine i'd like to bring you a generator and but i you know i farm by myself for all intents and purposes i mean my wife is a school teacher she has no background on the farm and if anybody who has met charlotte she's literally a hundred pounds all right she's strong for a hundred pounds but she's five foot one she's a hundred pounds then i love her to death she's a beautiful woman not because she's my wife uh, but she's but she has she has i mean the cats have more mechanical ability than her so she has no mechanical ability so even though she's well-intentioned it's very hard so okay you'll put put the castellation in the hole and she's what's a castellation what's a hole what's you know, so anyway so and, and that's it everybody can't be everybody can't be everything i can't do what she does teach kindergartners so that's fine but it does become an obstacle here on the farm because farming by yourself is almost like farming with a handicap like god forbid with one arm and you know years ago i had my father had me and i had my father which made a world of difference and then i also had my friend i had my friends i had my my buddy gene who now lives in las vegas or nevada for many years so he's not around he would come up and help and say geez i gotta pull a motor out okay i'll be up on saturday we'll yank the motor out or my other friend glenn when we were younger in school and both glenn and gene if and we would help one another it wasn't just a one-way street with people helping me then i used to do all of you know glenn's family's car repairs because for mr cop his grandfather had a 72 duster with a slant six i would tune it up every day do whatever so it was different it was it was not only different years ago because we had i had a little bit of a network but people were different years ago and uh so basically in essence i have no one here so i said to jim the generator guy what i'm going to do is uh, in if in a in a normal situation on the farm you lift the generator up it's not that heavy 
and you would put it in the back of the pickup truck and you would uh, and you would take it you know and you you tie it down and secure it and you'd ride to the guy's place and you'd go to his place and then you'd have a couple of guys and lift it up and take it off the tailgate and put it down no big deal two seconds right well i have no one to help me lift it up and put it on the on the back of the pickup truck and he has three small children and his wife so he doesn't have really he says well i have a tractor with a loader but i said that's going to be a nightmare and i don't want somebody getting hurt and uh, you're i mean you hurt yourself you hurt the generator you hurt the truck it's not worth it so i said what i'll do is i'll rent a u-haul trailer with a ramp on it which that was a fiasco unto itself but i'm not going to go into that and they said well, i'll pull it up on the ramp and we will like gentlemen no one's going to get hurt i'm going to have this big nine foot long trailer to transport a portable generator but the whole idea is to be safe to make it safe and make it easy so i secured a trailer but i get a date with him to come up there because he was going away so you know all, all life gets in the way for everybody so so i do that and finally the day has come for me to bring the generator up and i said to him look you forget about my diagnosis don't just take it out of your mind like a judge a judge will say to the jury strike that out of your mind all right strike it out of me because i said i may have messed up that i may have zigged when i was supposed to zag but i feel the one i believe the one field circuit is burned out in the, in the stator so but i may be wrong so just just go through your own routine and you make your own decision and i said if it's something that i could fix that we could fix inexpensively it's not that i'm cheap but i'm not going to put in the 800 700 for a stator in a eleven thousand dollar generator so there's something i could fix that we could fix that's great i'll fix it and i'll pay you for it no, no no you don't have to pay me because i'm going to do a video on it and I'll, I'll do it as an education thing so no no i said well we'll, we'll worry about there and if it's not something that that i'm willing to invest to fix because it needs a stator or it needs a rotor then i'll give you the generator i'll don't if you would like it i'll give i'll bring all the paperwork with me said this thing looks better than when it came from briggs and stratton's got mobile one oil the things only got 37 hours on it and um i said you know you could have it and because and 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 even though we never met i had him on the radio show this just seems like a salt of the earth man and very now he says well, i have a power head here but it's only 4500 watts i could give you that and we could put that on there they said nah this is eight thousand ten thousand that's what i want i said i'll just go buy another one a new a new generator so let's see what happens so we make the arrangements to to do that and i and in the meantime uh for the past three weeks my telephone in the house has not worked which i also use for business and i won't even get in there but verizon can't get it to work they tell me well you have 75 year old copper (laughs) copper lines well first of all my house is only 20 years old and we built the house charlotte and i so it's not 75 years and said so what well, we got well we got 75 year old, old copper on the on the lines going into hackettstown so, well that's not my problem i pay my bill every month i mean <laughs> you know i mean people come to my corn stand they're buying corn for 50 cents in the end you think they're buying the hope diamond and and the phone company verizon why well, you got 75 year copper we ain't telling nothing about it get a cell phone service <laughs> whatever so six guys have come the phone has not worked for more the longest it worked was for two hours after they left and the shortest was 15 minutes so they leave they're practically out of sight from the farm and i lose the dial tone again so i won't even go there so anyway so i'm trying to so people are calling me on the cell phone for business for the veterinary clinic alley's got to get spayed and it's whatever it's it just i mean it's i understand this but this is over three weeks now to fix a phone and you want and then society wants to have autonomous cars and autonomous farm tractors they can't fix a phone in three weeks they fix it it works for 10 minutes and then by the time they're gone it loses the dial tone and you have to start this whole thing again because you can't communicate with anybody you can't talk to a a manager or a foreman you got to dial 1-800 verizon go through this and then now oh, yeah let's run a test do this do, you know, blah, 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 do a do a dance and forget about it so anyway so finally make arrangements to get the trailer gonna bring the generator up check the generator out one more time runs beautifully put another coat of wax on it because i don't know if i'm ever gonna see it again and i get in the ranger and i go down we have sea containers on, in near the woods in the field where i keep everything and i needed to get my hitch the hitches on the truck but i guess they call it the receiver and uh i go down by the container 
on the farm away from my house and I lose the clutch. The clutch won't disengage. The pedal goes dead and it's got about five inches of free play and it doesn't, the pressure plate doesn't move enough. So I said, all I did was put a switch on it. I didn't do anything to it, put a switch on. So now the truck is caught, stuck in the cornfield. I can't get it. I mean, I, I can't disengage the clutch or I can't disengage the transmission. I have to have it shut off. I could put a neutral and start it. Runs fine. The clutch switch is still working electrically. So as I said, my wife is a dear, wonderful woman and that she's a blessing to me. But I said to her, okay, honey, when you come home from work, we're going to have to take the tractor and the farm tractor and we're going to have to put the tow rope on it and i'm going to have to tow it up to the house so i could work on it in the driveway because i can't work on it in the cornfield and she was real nervous about it and honestly i was nervous about it because if it was if my buddy gene was here or my father or glenn it would have been no big deal hook the tow rope pull the tractor take to hook it to pull the truck up to the house so i could work on it on a concrete driveway well so I said to myself, well, why can't she? She said, I'm going to be home late tonight because I'm doing this in school. So, all right, whatever. So I called two friends of mine who have shops that I trust. They can't do it. One guy's going to Iceland on vacation. The other one hurt his back. Well, maybe in two weeks I could do it. So anyway, so I got to fix this thing myself. So I have to call to James, cancel our appointment, have to cancel the U-Haul trailer. And then what happens is that I determined that, it, it's well, it's got a slave cylinder and a master cylinder. There's nothing leaking underneath. The master cylinder must have gone bad. How did the master cylinder go bad? From me putting a switch on the push rod, I have no idea. I did pull up a little bit, but the pedal has a mechanical stop to it, so you can't, if you, you, you can't pull it up past the mechanical stop, so who the heck knows, right? So... I said to myself, well, I can't do this. I got to, so Charlotte's at school. It's a beautiful, a beautiful warm day, like 72 degrees. So I said, I got to try to get this truck up. I said, well, what I'll basically do is it's, I could back it. If I'll start it in gear, hopefully, hopefully the starter motor will start it in gear. So, but then you can't disengage the clutch. So you have to shut it off. So I, I, so I, and she started right. The starter has enough oomph to, oomph to, to, to start it in gear so i started in gear and back up out of the cornfield and then shut it off quickly and then i put in first gear and i mean it wasn't happy about it and i started and i chugged up the road and got it got it up to the house which is only about 800 feet but hey it's more than almost a quarter of a mile drag strip right 800 feet and try to position in the driveway and i started two more times i said let me open the garage door because if i can't shut this thing off in time i don't want to go through the garage so i can at least go into the garage which is an empty bay there and give me another two or three feet to shut off and so i ended up it wasn't happy about it but I ended up getting it up there, and then I ordered a new master cylinder from Ford to put in it, which was, it wasn't terrible. Let me put it this way. I don't want to spend your whole day listening to this. It was like hooking up a three-point hitch on an angle. You know, either, either it goes right in, or you use curse and use words that a Christian man should not use for 15 minutes because you can't get it lined up. Well, this clutch this design is not a bad design i guess if you work on it on a lift and you could stand up and see in there but working on it on the ground on a jack stand underneath was not uh, was not and it took me hours to try to get this because you have to, it's got a round hole in the firewall and then inside the vehicle there's welded on a, a weldment with a square bracket and then what happens is the master cylinder goes in it's plastic and it's got the two lines connected to it, which was good because it was all bled two lines connected to it and you put it in you have to get it through the round hole and then line up the castellations on the square bracket hole the square bracket right and then put it in and turn it an eighth of a turn to the left from underneath to the left all right and it locks in it doesn't have a clip if they would have put it this put it with just a clip like on like on an air cleaner old air cleaner breather one of those metal spring clips it would have been two seconds so i was laying under the ground uh, using words <clears throat> that i will not repeat not wishing the designer the engineer much long life and happiness 
who designed this, but you know, all of these vehicles today, they design these so they can put them together easily in the factory. I mean, and that's really what it boils down to. And did all of that. And then what happened uh, was that then Charlotte came home. So I said, if you lay in the truck with a flashlight and look, and you could just guide me from underneath and try to get me into this hole because <clears throat> excuse me i could get into the hole but i can't get into the secondary bracket which is two inches from the hole and it's a round hole going into a rectangular a square hole so uh so she tried to do that and it didn't work out and i said i worked literally worked on it for hours so i said and you know it's like it's one of those things it's either gonna go if i was up on a lift and you could stand up and do it it'd probably be if i work in the lift i would have put a flashlight in the truck shining into the hole stand up see where it is and then what happened and then put it in there so i took a break i said forget about it i said a prayer i said lord i said i'd really need to get this done because today is warm tomorrow is going to be 30 degrees i need to, to do something with this generator winter is coming and so the lord spoke to my heart and he and uh, he gave me calmness and showed me what i needed to do and i studied the master cylinder more by his grace by his doing and uh, he uh, i went underneath there and i'll tell you it was it was it was it was, it was wonderful after i said a prayer i and then gave it to the lord and and i put two i, I it took me longer to crawl underneath the truck than to get it in there whoop, whoop. i mean it, it was amazing and once again, the Lord showed me that I have to have faith in him and trust in him, even with small things like a clutch master cylinder. And, uh, and you know, God doesn't, from what I've learned in my life, God doesn't make things happen. He instructs you and shows you how to make them happen through his mercies because he is all-knowing and knows how to do everything. So put it in there two seconds, put the line on, put the clutch rod, new clutch rod in it they already bought, put the switch back on beautiful so that is that is absolute that is that so now hopefully i can get the trailer again hopefully this gentleman is available but in the meantime i bought another generator because i wanted to have a backup power we're getting into the season where we lose the power here to farm and i wanted my wife to feel safe so i bought a generac gp 8000e with a carburetor it has it supposedly has more total harmonic distortion than i wanted my brig supposedly had less than five the fuel injected generac is supposed to have less than five i didn't want fuel injection i didn't want a co sensor i didn't want all this complication so the gen the generac gp 8000e is supposed to be coming probably the day that this show drops and then i have to i mean there's little there with these things you put the axle and wheels on them put oil and put the handle on and they're ready and they're supposedly ready to go hopefully i can bring this generator back up to to james condon and he could look at it and see what's going on and hopefully i am wrong that it's not the stator or the rotor i don't think i am but uh hopefully i, I don't want to be right hopefully he says oh no a mouse got in the back and, and i tried to take the console off of it when i had the problem just to check the continuity from the from the um from the stator to the electrical outlets and it like i said there was too much going on and i was getting ready for harvest you had to pull the gas tank off the gas tank was full i keep it full I had eight gallons of gas it was too much it, was, it wasn't an easy thing to do so i said the hell with it so hopefully i'm wrong maybe a mouse got up in there we have mice in the garage ate a wire and we could fix the wire and it works and we'll have two generators and hopefully god willing this new generac is good and lasts more than 36 hours that the briggs did and uh, that is basically basically it but it's been a <laughs> it's been a uh, interesting interesting uh, interesting time and uh, hopefully verizon can figure out how to fix my telephone i mean you know we had this area used to be so rural years ago and i mean you might as well have been in iowa or nebraska or montana it was a dirt road we run cows down the road we had old rotary dial telephone the telephone never stopped working the electric never if the electric went out the power went out all right then uh 
in two or th- two or three hours later, four hours later, you'd go to sleep, right? Because it's all dark. You're in the country. The power went out eight o'clock at night and seven o'clock at night in the winter. You went to bed. All right, you pulled the covers up and you went to bed. And uh, we had a kerosene lamp if we had to do something. And then at one, two o'clock in the morning, room we hit a boiler kick on or something, and the uh, yeah, the power was back on. We hardly ever lost power. If we lost power once every five or six years, it was nothing for nothing more than a, a couple of hours. The phone, I, I think, growing up, we lost the phone twice, and it was maybe two or three hours. All right, and this was rural. It was a dirt road. It was everything, all right? Now, with all this modern stuff and this modern technology, we can't fix a simple telephone for more than a week. Well, it's going to be three weeks. What am I saying? Three weeks. The power goes out. A, a, a sparrow lands on the, on, the, on the high tension wire, and the power goes out. That's why when we, even when I built the house, people said, oh, are you going to get out of generator? So why do I get a generator? Power never goes out here. We never have any problems. So it's a different world today in so many ways. I can't understand how it's only, what is it, three wires? Well, it's, I don't know if it's three wires. I have to look at the jack equals because two of the wires actually ring the bell on the phone, from what I understand, and uh, unbelievable. But they you know, they can't fix it, though, and they tell me, and the phone company tells me, Verizon, we're not putting no copper there. I, well, when I run a new copper all the way to Hackettstown, I said, well, that's not my problem if you need new copper. I said, is anybody else out down mine? Cat Swamp Road? I said, no. So I said, well, obviously it's not the copper going to Hackettstown if it's just me out. So who the heck knows? I don't think anybody, it's, it's amazing. And it, this goes to, <clears throat> before I get going, it's already half hour, goes to the point of my show a few weeks ago, an ode to the past. I don't know what's going on and nobody wants, I, I have no idea. So we'll leave it at that. So the next story will be, hopefully I get my generator up to to James. He pulls the the power head apart, pulls the rotor out, pulls the stator out. Has the Once you have the puller, it doesn't seem like it's too bad. And, uh, and hey, look, there's a mouse. It's, well, I don't think that, I don't think, if it is, it's not in there. But anyway, <clears throat> whatever or the, the insulation is cracked and 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 but i but I, well, I started to say in the beginning i said to charlotte and i'll get going to the main subject of the show today is that what i've come to look at with these backup generators these well they're not backups they're portables they're throwaways they're throwaways and you know when i started this journey with this to fix this a lot of people told me well you know is if it's not the brushes or the avr the automatic voltage regulator then just throw it away and buy a new one, forget about it. And that goes against my grain. I mean, I got this beautiful unit. I felt very blessed that the good Lord provided it for us and gave us gave my wife a great sense of security, gave me a great sense of security in the winter. We have we could have water in the house, the well. We could have heat. We have a refrigerator. All right. So <clears throat> my you know the the the, the chickens, the, the electric water balls stay the heated water balls for the cats, the heated water balls for the animals. So so it gave you know, it was a wonderful sense of security and I was very grateful for it. And uh but I've come to see that if it it's like an insurance policy. You pay the insurance and hopefully you don't use it and what that's what these basically are. So if they're twelve or thirteen hundred dollars, so you say, well, if the last, well, this one was four years old. Grant only had thirty hours on, and probably only eight hours of the thirty were running the house. The rest were exercise and breaking. And you say, okay, finally, say, so, well, you pay you you pay your fire insurance. Hey, the house then burned down this year. Pay the fire insurance again, and that's basically it. If it's if it's not if it's something simple to fix, you fix it. If not, you throw it away and you buy another one and go on with your life and sadly but that goes so against my grain so against my grain it's like like petting a cat or a dog against their fur i like to fix stuff i like to keep it i like to honor it i like to keep it forever i take care of it i respect it this generator has never even seen the rain so who knows we'll see what happens and we get this new generac coming and uh uh, who knows what that'll be but as long as it works and makes electricity and works for more than hopefully more than 36 hours 
it'll be it'll be good but if it if it conks out you know three or four years from now and it's not and it's nothing and i start to look up for parts for the generac they're just as expensive as the briggs and stratton 600 700 for a stator 450 for the rotor i mean it's crazy i mean so who knows well i bent your ear a lot with that but email me and tell me your stories i'd love to hear them misery loves company and and really in all honesty i and i want to you know as i go on to the subject of the show today none of this in the scheme of life is anything none of this it's absolutely nothing you could have people uh, loved ones that are dying people have lost their entire farm their entire house with this with these hurricanes in the united states and canada they lo- they lost their livestock they lost the loved one every it's a beautiful sunny day someone gets someone gets someone gets killed in a car accident or a farm accident someone is diagnosed with cancer an animal that you love i mean t- to tell you the truth for donald and creamy to come back i would i would live this these stories every day so please know that i'm not complaining and i'm only sharing it with you because it does have a mechanical component to it so here it is i you know i put a switch on the push rod of the master cylinder for the clutch and didn't touch i mean uh, i said didn't do anything and then t- two days later i mean immediately the clutch doesn't feel right and then so obviously the only thing that i could deduce is that it was the original master cylinder probably me moving the push rod because once it's in there it, it, it moves around it's just like in a ball in a socket so it can move around so you get it onto the, that the that the seal was probably going bad in the in, in the master cylinder and and just me playing with it or something to get the switch in to get the switch in there probably just pushed it over the edge because immediately after the first time i moved the truck after i put the switch on that's when the clutch was grabby and then somehow it healed itself i personally think that the piston had a lot of play in it when i was moving it it got some air in there and that was it the clutch feels great it feels better than it did before the switch um, i do have to say there's a decided difference with the new master cylinder and you know the stuff with the generator so i feel that there's a mechanical component to this it's not some not me just complaining about life same thing with the telephone company it's a mechanical component this is not an act of god that there's some there's and and one of the people told me that the problem is not on the line that there was a problem on the line but they have to switch in the switching station and when they took the insulation off the wires to switch it he felt that one strand of wire is touching and that's why it goes out and then the computer shuts it shuts it down which makes sense to me because it sees a short to ground so there's all mechanical components here and that's why i'm sharing the story with you because you know you need to think through this and look at something and sometimes you do touch something and and uh you 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 have no matter how careful you are you touch something and it it has it has an effect on something else which is just like me probably moving the push rod around in the bore i mean in in the pivot there to get it onto the clutch pedal or whatever which is fine it moves left and right the new one moves it's probably but the master was probably old it's 21 years old and it's probably weak and probably a i move it probably has some wear in the bore and i moved the piston away and bingo had a couple more clutch applies and it went bad so like i said in the scheme of life it's absolutely nothing so what are we going to talk about today well what we're going to talk about is short and long-term fuel trim on a fuel injected gasoline engine now for you to see this you need some sort of scan tool all right and the scan tool reads serial data which is the de- which is the conversation that the ecu is having with the engine and the engine is having back with the ecu i'm just gonna get a drink of water <clears throat> thank you so now let's turn the clock back obd2 started in 1996 prior to that it was called obd1 general motors ford chrysler uh, the imports used to use a Bosch style system, had their own logic, their own controls. For all intents and purposes, General Motors through AC Delco uh, was so far ahead of the curve as far as that they're the ones that really, I'm going to say, invented. If 
for lack of better terms, the serial data, the data stream through the ALDL connector underneath the dashboard, and they're the first ones to have a true scanner. And that's why I loved and I loved loved that system because you would be able to plug in with a scan, dedicated scanner, you'd be able to plug into it and you'd be able to see this wealth of information that on a Ford or a Chrysler or a Toyota or a Volkswagen or, or anything else so you were not you were not able to see. So it was such a wonderful, it was a, actually a window, it was like having an, a doctor having an x-ray machine or an MRI machine says, well, I think this is happening, but now I could see it. And then, and this was only on fuel injection, first on throttle body injection and on port fuel injection, is that General Motors had, and I used to teach this for many years, they had two terms in their serial data stream. And the reason why they call this serial data stream is because it is a stream. It's all, it's, it comes out on one wire, and it's uh, almost like a CAN bus on a new piece of farm equipment. It comes out on one wire, even though you're plugging this scanner in into a 12-pin connector. There's one pin. One is a ground, and when the ECU sees a ground through the scanner on this pin, it comes in a serial, and it's a, and it's a series, serial, that's a series, circuit series. So it's a series of, of, of a digital signal of square waves. And so the scanner actually knows that when, when it's programmed in, when you tell it, okay, it's a 89 Corvette 350 tune port it knows that the first thing that's going to come i'm making this up is going to be tps next thing is oxygen sensor next thing mass airflow sensor next thing coolant temperature so it's like so it's like a morse code and it's coming in and if you were to actually put a scope on you'd see the square these square waves of different magnitude and uh and if you will put like a, a light on you see the light would get flashed in flash it would get brighter and dimmer because it's sending this square wave and what the scanner basically does is interprets this signal and gives it to you and uh and, and gives it to you as data not not just raw numbers or say coolant temperature 182 degrees all right so there was a term called and, and in 1996 obd2 came out second generation and then the government mandated that there was a common language between all of the manufacturers, domestic and imported, so you could use a scanner. You don't get all the information, but they really, <clears throat> much to the chagrin of those that aren't GM guys, all right, but they patterned, the government patterned, the EPA patterned the federal government off of the GM system. So most of the serial data that you see, if you have a 2022 Toyota Tundra and you were to plug in, and most of the serial data they and and what the government mandated with OBD2, which is 1996 on up, which is quite a long time ago now, is that there was a common language and common terms because before everybody had their term had their own terms. So, but General Motors was the pioneer with this so far ahead of the curve. They basically, in essence, it would be like a, a cell phone and you had a smartphone and you had a rotary dial phone. This is how so far ahead of the curve they were back 45 years ago with this and just a wonderful company. Sadly, that company in its wonderfulness no longer exists. But anyway, they had two terms. And I remember learning them up from Mr. Richard Hip up in AC Delco School, General Motors School in Terrytown, New York. And they're called Block Learn Multiplier and Integrator. So now, and when they went to OBD2 and they and they brought this common language and, and and dictated that the that all of the car manufacturers use a common language for this, they 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 said that you need these two these this data, but they called it short-term and long-term fuel trim. So if you have a scanner, and I suggest that you do. If you work on any gasoline engines that are newer than 1996, and if you have a large farm and you have pickup trucks, whatever uh, that I mean, if you have a a diesel, it's not gonna. This is this is not gonna work on it. But they changed this. But General Motors had the term block learn multiplier and integrator, and it was 256 places. The number went from zero to 256, and it would give you this number. Say BLM. 
which is not Black Lives Matter. That's why a couple of years ago, for 30 years, I saw BLM was, was Block, Learn, Multiplier. And I see people holding signs and say, wow, the guy's interested in Block, Learn, Multiplier. All right, no, he's... So anyway, it shows how messed up my head is. But anyway, so... Uh, so what would happen is 256, I'll use the word places. And so zero to 255, because zero in computer logic is a place. To us, zeros is nothing there, but it's a spot. Just like if you were to start with a ruler, you start a lot of a, a machinists will start with number one on the ruler and then measure or a carpenter because in case somebody ground off or boogered up the edge. So you start with number one. You don't start with zero, but zero is a place. Now, what happens is that this is a wonderful diagnostic tool. And as a young man, when I worked for Alan Touch Parks, I diagnosed a lot of problems with vehicles by look gm vehicles because this data data was available to me and uh not that the vehicles are problematic but i had the data like having well, i have a tissue test i have a soil test i have a sap test now i can tell what's happening with the plant if you only have a tissue test you could say well it's it's short on boron but is the boron tied up in the ground or is it not there because we only did we didn't do a soil test so it's very very telling and in essence, when you look at a, fu- a fuel injection system and, and, or any, any feedback system, I don't care whether it's an auto steer on your combine or it's a grain bin dryer, and I've done, I've done this, and it's a, called the PID loop, all right? And I've done shows on this. But what happens is that there's going to be amount of amount of correction. So the way I like to teach this, the, nine, the majority of... The people listening to this live out in a rural area and know what a high-crowned road is. So if you're riding on a high-crowned road, all right, we were always ta- I was always taught out here in the country that if nobody's on the road that you ride the crown, you straddle the crown, so this way the car goes straight, but you see a car coming or a truck coming to you, then you drift over to your side of the road. So now part of the vehicle, like a banked racetrack, is riding the, up on the crown. So you have to steer into the crown to keep the vehicle straight. So you have to correct. If you didn't, you go off into the ditch, you hit the oncoming vehicle head on. So when you drive a vehicle, you drive a farm tractor, right? If you have a farm tractor and you're on auto steer, right? The steering wheel is moving back and forth because it's going to it's gonna correct because the tire is hitting a, a a rock in the field in my field or 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 whatever you know so it's going to correct to keep it on this on this path this straight path and then the same thing if you're a pilot you're correcting to keep the plane going straight going down the highway with a car or truck you're correcting all right so what happens is that on a fuel injection system they have a calculated pulse width for the injector and whether it's in the early fuel injection systems were, were what they call a lookup table. And the lookup table would be, in essence, just like a, a table in the back of an old Rand McNally road atlas. Well, how far is it from, 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 from Newark, New Jersey to Philadelphia? So you find Newark, you find Philadelphia, you go down, you cross, and you find that point, And it tells you how far it is, right? Whatever, 82 miles. I'll make you up a number, 100 miles. So that is a lookup table-based ECU. So it looks at the engine speed and usually the load, and the load usually is a function of throttle angle, uh, uh, throttle angle, and depending whether it's got a map sensor, manifold absolute pressure, or mass airflow, and it looks at that and calculates the load versus the RPM. And then in that, in that, that. That lookup table is a pre-programmed pulse width, and maybe in computer logic, but let's say it, we'll say it's not for for simplicity's sake. It says okay, three point four milliseconds based upon this load and this RPM should be three point four milliseconds. And as farmers, you do the same thing, right? You say, well, I want to have uh, thirty-six thousand plants per acre population, and I'm on thirty-inch rows. So you have to look at you look at a chart and say, okay, this is how you have to set your planter. My farm, my planter is on twenty-eight inch rows. So it was custom built, and I plant twenty thousand four hundred per acre. So I have to set my planter, and it's 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 got precision planting meters, but it's gear drive, ground drive. So it's a series of chains and everything. It's okay, you know. When you look in the book, it says, all right, this chain, this gear has to be this gear. This one has to be. And this and it'll give you approximately twenty thousand four hundred per acre. 
So that's a lookup table-based ECU. More modern ECUs are mathematics-based, all right? So it works with a volumetric efficiency, but the thing is still the same. It's going to calculate and inject a pulse width. Now, getting back to block, learn, multiplier, and integrator, which now is akin to short-term and long-term fuel trim, is that so arguably... They say for this given condition in a perfect world, right? So that's why like you in the field, you get out off your tractor and off your planter and you say, well, I'm supposed to have a seed every 11, my farm 11 and a half inches to the way my planter is set, right? And you go out there and you dig and say, okay, I got one. And then I got one that's about 11 and a half inches. You don't go there with a micrometer, 11 and a half inches. Oh, this one over here the, the, the messed up the seed meters on the eight inches and what we would call a picket fence stand, right? So you, you want a picket fence stand. So you could look in somebody's field and you could see where something went wrong. Whether it went wrong is that the, that the um, planter messed up or maybe the seed didn't germinate or, or maybe it dropped two seeds and that's why you look on your display, right? If you have some sort of display that says, okay, that, you know, singularity is happening with your planter. I don't have the display. My display is on my knees digging up the seed, all right? But anyway, so the thing is that, so in a perfect world, let's stick with three milliseconds and milli being thousands of a second. So three milliseconds pulse width. And then for this load and this RPM. So that means that everything is perfect the way it should be. So now the oxygen sensor reads the air-fuel ratio, and this would be under closed loop on an early system, which would be stoichiometric 14.6, and says, oh, well, we're at 15.2, we're not at 14.6, would be the same thing like you correcting in a tractor or a grain bin dryer or what have you. And what happens is that it now has to modify the pulse width so there are two terms and they are identified block learn multiplier and integrator and what it is is that it became the short term and the long term correction so let's say arguably now let's use auto steer in the tractor so you're going down the road and there's a little washout from the rain and the front wheel goes into this washout and then the auto steer has to to the right and the auto steers to kick it to the left and then once it gets past this washout which is three or four feet long it's it's going straight again and it corrects back to back to zero that is integrator so it's a short-term correction to the pulse width to get it back onto what the pre-programmed pulse width is just like on your farm tractor with auto steer what your pre what your pre program path is so if you hit a ditch it has to get a little divot in the field it has to correct and go back so now let's say arguably using the farm tractor with auto steel steer for an analogy let's say it's your right tire on the tractor is starting to go flat the pressure is dropping you don't notice right the tractor is now dragging to the left so the auto steer can't just correct it for one time like it did so the first thing it does it does it starts to do a correction and now it starts to turn the steering wheel to the left because the tire on the right is losing air all right but you don't notice all right but the auto steer says we're not on the path we're not the pre-programmed pulse width we're not where we should be so now what the what it does it says okay fine if i have to correct this for so long then what I have to do is I have to be like a GPS across a recalculating. You missed the turn, recalculating. It has to recalculate, and now it wants to go straight, but it now it knows that this, the wheels can't be straight. They have to be turned, at, let's say I'm making up number 10 degrees to the left to make it go straight. That is block learn multiplier. So in essence, and that would be akin today on a modern 1996 newer long-term fuel trim so block so integrator is short term we have a divot in the field our little ditch wash out in the field and the wheel kicks to the right and it compensates to the left it gets back in the smooth ground and it goes straight back on fuel injection be back at the pulse width all right now we have a tire that's going going flat on the right hand side the tractor is dragging to the right so now we have to go we said oh we have to keep this wheel at 10 degrees to the left so what we're going to do is we're going to change our calculations as i said i'm repeating it i know i'm repeating it, like a gps and go recalculating now get off the next exit and take this road all right but it's not telling you that and that is why 
the block learn multiplier and the integrator were such a wonderful diagnostic tool for you to plug in right underneath the dashboard you even have it open the open the hood now the way it was it the way gm had it is that zero correction was 128 so if you saw your block learn and your integrator at 128 what that meant is that you were dead nuts on the pre-programmed pulse width that it was the pre-programmed pulse width like the auto steer this is your track all right this is the track that's supposed to take no deviations dead nuts right you 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 did strip till and now you're coming back into the field in the spring and you're planting and you're planting dead nuts right into the center of that strip till that you did in the fall beautiful you're not planting over to the side all right so when and on on the early gm systems when you saw block learn multiplier and integrator the higher the number went above 128 meant that you were adding fuel to compensate because you were too lean so let's say you had an air leak you had a pcv valve that was starting to leak you had a dirty injector or something you would first see it if your fuel pressure the fuel filter was starting to plug i used to call it a lazy man's fuel pressure gauge because you used to see it and say okay my block learner my integrator are above 120 they're 147 they're 162 so that means are we still at the are we still going straight in the field but now we have the wheel cocked to the left because the right front tire is going is going flat it is it has 10 pounds less air and has more resistance so the same thing happens now what will happen with block with integrator first and block learn the integrator is the short short term correction i am i'm cognizant that i'm repeating this but i want to make it simplistic over a podcast with no visuals is that you hit a divot in the field a washout the tractor kicks to the right it turns the wheel 10 degrees 20 degrees to the left comes out goes straight and corrects and goes back to zero back to 128 on fuel injection all right the thing basically is but if it sees that it has to correct the wheel for so long it comes in and it modifies the pulse width based upon the block learn so when the block learn multiplier would would change all right and modify the pulse with like you modifying the path through your field then the integrator would go back to 128 because it modified that it modified the pre-programmed pulse width it didn't modify it forever it put a, a a multiplier a multiplier in it to correct it so as it goes above 128 all right that meant that we're adding fuel if it goes below 128 we're subtracting fuel so you have a crankcase loaded with gasoline you have a stuck fuel pressure regulator instead of 60 pounds of fuel pressure is 90 pounds you have a dripping injector all right that's leaking raw fuel even though the injector is closed then you would see the block learn multiplier go down all right because it's shortening up the pulse width because we're getting full we're getting we're getting uh phantom fuel from someplace else now from 1996 up if you have an obd2 scanner i don't care whether you have a toyota tundra or you have a chevy cruise or a ford escape or whatever you have as i said in the beginning of this podcast the government is mandating that what first of all i suggest that you have a scanner that reads some serial data because it's a wealth of information and the one scanner could read a multitude of different vehicles on your farm all right your wife's car your pickup truck your neighbor's car your hired man whatever all right the thing is is it's going to plug into a a john Deere s680 combine no all right so the thing is that you should and if you have a scanner and you don't know what you're looking at until you listen to this go out and plug it in and and bring up short-term and long-term fuel trim short-term fuel trim i'm repeating all of this i'm cognizant i'm repeating that i know that i am i'm not talking in circles is that the short-term correction if the short-term correction is there for so long it changes the long term so which would be the block learn multiply so if you look at short-term fuel correction and long-term fuel correction on your scanner for your vehicle that you have that's fuel injected and you see that you have and usually it's read in percentage 
So the Blockland multiplier and integrator was a computer logic that GM gave you, but it still was ultimately a percentage. But and, but they would give you the math if you wanted to. So the rule of thumb, basic, ideally you want zero correction, right? So if you're a machinist, you want if the whole is supposed to be 472,000, you want the whole 472,000. So on short-term and long-term fuel trim on your fuel injected vehicles you want zero correction but the industry says that they'll accept just like with the power company says well we'll accept up to five percent six percent total harmonic distortion all right so we know that we're going to have some error so just like you're going to go in the field and say well you you basically have a picket fence stand but right over here the one seed didn't germinate so i don't have picket fence right here but if you look at the whole total field so the thing is that you want a correction of plus or minus 10 percent i personally want zero i want to run the number on this thing all right i want zero correction so if you have zero correction then you know that 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 engine has clean injectors has no carbon deposits on the valves all right that it has no air leaks that the mass airflow sensor or mass airflow sensor or 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 manifold absolute pressure sensors working properly that the ring steel is good and everything from looking at short-term and long-term correction this is plugging in underneath the dashboard you're not even opening the hood all right so and if you haven't so the industry is giving you a 10 percent window i like zero percent all right but i mean realistic i'm not gonna you're not gonna go through a, a, a hundred acre field and never see a plant that it had a skip all right so 10 percent is what they is what they basically are giving you as a guideline so plus 10 percent on long-term or short-term correction right on your scan you didn't even get your hands dirty all right the thing is that it's showing that you're adding fuel to to get back to that ideal pre-programmed pulse width and stoichiometric mixture 14.7 to 1 all right so what does that mean that means you could have a dirty injector that means you could have an air leak maybe the air leak is an o-ring on the on injectors you could, whatever you could you have an air leak all right you have something that you have to add fuel so just like the steering wheel and auto steer, we have to turn and we're still going straight, but because that tire pressure is low, all right, uh, that or we're riding on a high crown road with our pickup truck, we're still going straight, but we got to turn the wheel to compensate for it. And then conversely, if you see minus 2%, minus 5%, minus 10%, minus 20%, that means that you're getting you're getting phantom fuel into the engine that the injector is dirty or dripping the fuel pressure is too high the crankcase is loaded with gasoline all right the breather system may not be working properly and you're getting a lot of hydrocarbon emissions in the crankcase and the engine is breathing that so it's very very simple for you and i ask you that if you do have a scanner obd2 plug into your different gasoline engines look at it idle and take it for a ride look at short-term and long-term fuel trim they call it usually they call it trim or fuel correction use the plus or minus 10 percent as your key and you're going to get a wealth you could actually see a fuel filter that's starting to plug up with that and you are plugging in and underneath the dashboard they're all underneath the dashboard they're well they're all in the vehicle i should say in the passenger compartment some uh, aldl connectors some o- they call them obd2 connectors now because aldl was a gm term which stood for assembly line diagnostic link all right <clears throat> the thing is that they may be in a console underneath the dashboard whatever but they're all someplace like i said you're not opening the hood and and plug into this and look at this because this is a wonderful telltale it's like doing an oil analysis or doing uh, any type of analysis on a crop or an animal or going to the doctor and getting a blood test but it costs you nothing other than the scanner but it's not a bunch of chinese you have to know what you're looking at and the key and you could thank even if you're a ford guy or whatever you're a toyota guy you could thank general motors with their wisdom from years ago and I'm repeating it when it was a wonderful company, the Pride of America. I'm a Ford guy, but they were a Pride of America as far as their engineering was good. Pride of the world. I mean, America, Pride of the world. There's nobody better. Nobody. All right. The thing is that 
<clears throat> you could look at that, but the long-term and short-term fuel trim through serial data on any 1996 and newer gasoline engine is such a wealth of information. So if you're seeing correction, so if you have a high admin air tractor, it says, boy, the steering wheel on the tractor, it's going straight, the cornrows are straight, straight boss and everything, but the steering wheel is turning to the left all the time, then I know that this field is straight. Well, duh, you have a problem. If you just say, well, the hell with it, who cares? long as the corners in straight yes i'm glad that the corners in straight then the rows are straight so you could go with the combine but that is a telltale for you to see something is wrong and say look look at the tire is going flat look the bearing is going bad on the right front wheel of the tractor all right same thing so if you look at it, ultimately just like the tractor is going straight the fuel mixture is going to be correct but it's correcting it it's correcting it so it's just like in essence and i'll close with this a lot of people don't realize these opiates and everything which are terrible things these painkillers i don't take any pain i could have surgery to hell with it i mean once they get off the anesthesia i don't take anything all right the thing is that but to be ridiculous because i'm a student of zig ziglar these say you know break it down to the ridiculous so in theory and i'm somebody's in i know we have i'm blessed with a wonderful audience so somebody's in the medical field this is right church wrong pew uh, you could put your finger in a vice and tighten it up and in theory, ah, and theory, right? Take enough painkillers because the painkiller doesn't do anything for your pain. Your finger stone of ice. It tricks your brain into blocking the pain so you don't think that you have pain. And you could take enough painkillers to be ridiculous to not have your finger hurt. Well, the the thing basically boils down to is that the same thing happens if you look at your pickup truck you're going down the road you look at your wife's car you're going down the road with it right and it's got 20 or 30 percent correction all right the things it's still going down the road fine so oh, it drives good you know it drives fine right so just like the rows in the track that the auto steer is compensating for it all right the thing basically is is that but if you ignore that then you are on the road to having a major problem because it is a telltale sign and it's more than a telltale sign it's a canary in the coal mine for what's happening so you should make it a practice of plugging in your scanner and looking at the long-term and short-term fuel trim at idle going down the road different driving scenarios wide open throttle under load accelerating then you should and if even if you have to take somebody with you to drive and say okay you know mat it to the floor now let's go over here do this or whatever and you could study the scanner it's a wealth of information it's like doing a tissue test a soil test and a sap test or and a soil health test all in one underneath the dashboard all right when you're riding in the car or the pickup truck like a gentleman so please 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 look at long-term and short-term fuel trim as part of your preventive maintenance program whenever you're looking at something a couple of times a year it takes you longer to get the scanner out of the toolbox and then to plug it in and it is to check it and if you do not have a scanner then this is totally useless this past hour on the show and hopefully it does prompt you into buying a scanner and starting to look at some of this data and as the show goes on idle chatter goes on not every week i'm going to bring up another piece of serial data that'll bring you great diagnostic value by just plugging in underneath the dashboard so i want to thank you so much for tuning in and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved america you have a blessed day and god willing you'll have some long-term and short-term fuel trim data for me to email me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. Bye-bye.